0: So we're officially, we're officially that time of year and anybody who has children will know about that time of year. It is, I mean, they've been back to school for a while now, right? In the UK, we're coming up to half term, but bugs, any kind of bugs, they get it, mm. they have it, they spread it. And, and you know, my, my twins are so different. They're so different to the point that they don't even get it at the same time. So you'd think another good, <laughs> another good thing maybe about twins is they get the kind of the cold bug or the whatever bug it is, same time. Deal with it. no, 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 no. I get one back today. It's been like I take one in, bring one back, bring one back, take one in. We even got to the school gates today, brought one back. <laughs> so it's, I keep oh, ringing the school no. saying, "I'm really sorry." They're like. Which one don't we have today? <laughs> um, yeah, just see, just wait and see. Whichever one turns up, just teach that. One. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not identical, so you're gonna know which one you've got. So yeah, we're officially. Um, I think I'm. I'm getting a little bit of it off off the back of it all, but it's officially. You know, it's it's that time of year, isn't it? Seasons changing, weather's changing. Bugs but it's are annoying
1: that concertina effect in the in the house though isn't it I think yes. it's better if you just all have it together yes. and just get it done it's so annoying it's the same here you know my son had it and then I had it and now Ben's got it and it's just like oh god it's dragging on for two weeks
0: I'm like which one and I've got one who's very stoic I've got one who will, will go in whatever's going on he'll just brave it and he'll run through a brick wall I've got another one at the slightest thing he's like right I don't know can't possibly go to school today. So today it was the stoic one. So I kind of knew as we were walking, I had to really kind of probe him a little bit that he wasn't right. So it, I've even got that kind of. So, yeah, so we're going to get that sorted out. So it's um, it's bug time. But it's quite good because I've, um, I've had a few weeks of, of downtime. So at least I'm here to to deal with the bugs and get everyone back on track. But it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's finally getting cold in the UK as well. We've, it uh, is, yeah. It's getting some, there. there. There's been some fog. There's been some mist. And and the good news, this is the news you look forward to every year. I have reserved my Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, good. We're going to have to get one. Oh, no, we're not going to
1: be able to get one this year. Why not? Year. Oh, no. Why? We're going to have to wait another year. Why? Oh, because we're having um, renovation work. not the whole thing, we're no, you we're getting no, plenty you can, of it done. No, you... but it finishes... Well, I'll have to look. Do you know what? I haven't actually thought about it, but the renovation finishes on, like genuinely on the 23rd so maybe the 24th actually of december so oh. uh we, we, we'll have to see <laughs> have to see what i can do i'll do something maybe i'll get a small one but yeah, i'll do something just a
0: little well, yeah mine was reserved i suddenly panicked someone said oh they're selling out and obviously i bought into that and put the deposit down and the tree is booked and it's still october and i'm not even going to talk about halloween i'm going to talk about tennis because it continues we've got finals atp and wta finals to to sort themselves out one thing i was wondering as a professional um do you every year every season do you is there a reason for doing what you're doing do you see what i mean so do you what you're not <laughs> you're not just playing because you love it right so do you go into no. a season and and it's like i want to be top 200 150 next year is there always a goal Yeah. or Okay, so then my next question, and and it's it's not a leading question. I've just been wondering this lately. What, what do? You, and I know you've been following him this week, but with Andy Murray, what is Murray's goal now? Because we see some frustrating times when he's not where he was. We see some flashes of brilliance. What What do you think, or or do you know what what do you think the goal now is for Murray in terms of? of what he wants to achieve, having achieved so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, he seems to be pretty resilient now, body-wise, doesn't he? Playing week in, week out, had a nice full season, all in all. Has won back-to-back matches, five setters. The, he's, he's had it all. So really, the body's holding up fairly nicely. It's now just a, about um, the game pushing on. Yes, I'm following him in Gijon, Um And I don't know... I think it is a little more difficult to work out what people's goals are later in their career. I think for everybody, you can understand that Djokovic and Nadal have the drive of slams, um, and that that's what they're they're reaching for. But even that is a you know they they've got a lot of them you know they you know so is it I, I don't know. But for for Andy, I mean, he's back in the top fifty. Um, which is extraordinary, yeah. really. Um, and it feels like he's playing better than that. Um, I think he's looking for a big push at the end of this year just to boost that ranking somewhat. It, it, what's difficult is that um, when you're outside sort of 30, maybe 40, if you're outside 40, between 40 and 80, players do tend to bounce around a lot because it's just so draw-dependent. You're not seeded in most of these tournaments. I mean, it's you might squeeze a seed in a 250 if you're ranked about 40, but, you know, really it's... Um, <clears throat> yeah, really, it's 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 a bit more difficult. There's a lot more luck involved. So the ranking doesn't necessarily reflect, I think, how, how players are playing. But Andy's now inside 50. He was a wild card, unseeded in this tournament, but he's taken out big seed in Davidovich Vekina. I think. I, th- I think it's just about seeing, isn't it? It's testing his body. It's seeing what he can do. I think that his goal is to probably get, I would assume, a just a very obvious goal that is a very common goal, would be to be seeded in slams. So 32. I think he's currently at about 49. Um, but as I say, he's playing much higher than that. I think he is playing like a top 30 player. Um, but just getting those consistent results, Once, if, you, if you're seeded, it's just a little bit easier. Uh, you just don't know who you're going to draw. So... I don't know, that would be my guess, but I don't know. I don't know if he's actually said what his goals are for the season. Maybe he sort of bats it away with being physically healthy, enjoying
0: competing and those sorts of things. But uh, yeah, ranking-wise, I'd say that. If I just wonder if, if it's... And we know he has this love of the game. He's spoken in the past. He loves every part of the game. But I just want to, It takes so much to... To do what he does in terms of physically, mentally, the family, everything that goes with being on the tour, and I just wonder if, if I don't know what it is that what is the continual drive for Andy Murray. I think that's it. As you touched on with Djokovic, he's still winning slams and he's still got these records to go for. As is Nadal. I just, I just wonder. I and I just wonder if you know. I'm not trying to retire him. I wouldn't dare say those words on this podcast in front of you. But just. I don't know I, I just I just wonder what what the end game is for Murray is it just to see what his body can do and is that enough for him is it the love of the game is it I don't know I just it just like watching him at the Labour Cup and that was a little bit frustrating. he's getting some results here I, I don't know it was just I was just curious as to from getting into the mind of a professional sports person as you are and as you were on tour if there has to be a, a certain drive or it, or it can simply just be for love of the game. Uh, I think it's a combination.
1: He definitely has a love of the game and, I mean, he's had every opportunity to stop. He's had the world (laughs) telling him to stop, the universe telling him to stop, his body telling him to stop. And I think everybody else saying, why isn't he stopping? So it has been sort of overwhelming for him. So I think that he clearly does love to compete. And we know, we just look at how competitive he is. And sometimes you just think, I mean, he's roaring away. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it is against somebody ranked like 120 in a challenger or something. But he is, that's that's who he is. He, he loves to compete. And, and I think there are those moments that it's very difficult to walk away from. And I think we saw that from him at Wimbledon, the support that he gets there with the crowd. I mean, that feeling, it's like a drug. I think lots of people say that, to have that sort of recognition. And you will not have that afterwards, unless you go and do a lovely South American tour like Roger Federer. He can, he can keep it coming <laughs> until he's 60. But for for for, uh, for Andy and for most people, uh, it's not really possible once you walk away you're just not going to get that again you might get a crowd if you go and do a speech or whatever you're going to get nice reactions of course he's wildly popular but um I think yeah he has talked a lot about the moments and he said you know know, people say question why I'm still doing this and then you look at centre court on their feet and the the feelings you know we we're lucky enough to sit there and feel that atmosphere and and hear the noise and so you can understand that, but there aren't that many moments through the year where you get that. It, it is quite mm. few. The majority of it is coming to Gijon, but he still pulls in a decent crowd here um, yeah. at, the, at the 250. And, and that's your sort of bread and butter. And I think that's probably where we are going to see some more gains from him with his ranking. I think, I think really the goal for him is probably, I think if you flip it on its head, it's not about what to achieve. It's probably more about that, he will only walk away when he feels like he has done everything he can. Every single stone unturned, then he will walk away. You know, probably like Federer. I mean, Jesus, he clung on for so long, didn't he? He was desperately trying to come back. He even talked about coming back when we saw him at Wimbledon, but the knee, you know, things just were not playing ball for him. So I think it's probably just, uh, I've got a lot of life to live after tennis. I'm sure he's very excited about that. He's got a wonderful family that, you know, he's uh, absolutely adores. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe he just wants to make sure. And then each, every few months, he's sort of achieving a bit more. And, and he's sort of thinking, oh, OK, hang on a minute. Now I can play consistently. Now I can do this. And it's just going to keep him going a little
0: while. Other end of the career spectrum, but just keep the the British theme going. Emma Raducanu back in the news. Actually, I'm not sure she's ever out of the news, saying she's back in the news. Not here, <laughs> not in the UK. I know we've got
1: a lot of international <laughs> listeners, but in the UK, she is... Not out of the news. <laughs> she isn't, is she?
0: Every, every week. week every, every week, there's week, something. Yeah. No, it's, yeah,
1: it's absolutely
0: huge. She's a, a phenomenon. But this was very completely 100% tennis-based, the latest news. Dmitri Tursunov, we believe, made the decision to part ways. And the other thing alongside this was Jez Green, who worked with Andy Murray for a long time. Sasha Zverev, most recently. I think Mai, he's still working with Dominic team, has been working with Emeretta Karno. And that's something... We've talked about together on the pod lots of people have written articles about the fitness side of things which I think alerted a lot of people when they saw the name of Jez Green alongside Emma Raducanu.
1: Yeah well Jez incredibly experienced did a fantastic job with Andy Murray and then with Alexander Zverev two very different characters very different sort of athletes on the court as well and really adapted his style I think, um, between the two of them. Just hugely experienced. Uh, he you know, he's also in between things. He's such a prominent figure within British tennis, of course. He's so respected. Yeah. And, you know, it is the sort of thing that you know he is sort of around, especially if you know he would be in between jobs. He hasn't really. He's sort of just been on the tour for a while. But since he stopped working with Zverev, you know, he is he is around, he is involved. And um yeah, I look at <sighs> It can only be a, a good thing getting somebody that experienced on the physical side for I Emma. Mean, you know, we've seen her rolling through quite a few coaches. Maybe the answers lie elsewhere, considering that you know, you can't learn to play on the tour if you can't play every match. You, know, you need to lose the tight ones. You need to come back from down. You need to fight through the niggles. You need all of that. It builds your resilience. It builds your, just your confidence in any different situation that you can come through. And also you just get more opportunities to play so that you can play more. You just need a high volume of matches to learn how that, how it works. So if that is going to improve that, and I'm, I'm sure that Jez will do a a fantastic job, then, um, you know, hopefully that means that she can just be on court, be more often, more weeks, more, more tournaments, um, and playing these back-to-back matches without starting to really struggle. So, um, yeah, then then she'll be able to learn about the tour. And you, uh, coaches are brilliant and they're very necessary. However, especially tennis players with a high tennis IQ like Emma Raducanu, no one teaches you more than your opponent. That that's it. They teach you more than anybody else. They will tell you when it's not good enough because they will slam it away for a winner you know, they, they teach you about the momentum. Oh dear. <laughs> they teach you about the <laughs> momentum in matches. We had, we had a long day yesterday in Gijon. <laughs> Just, we had a, it was really long guys. Very good. They were really good matches, but it was very long, <laughs> but they teach you about the momentum, the energy and all these sorts of things that really, it, it is difficult um, to grasp if you haven't actually played and you haven't been in it. So, I think that uh, that's what she needs is really to just play, keep playing, play more, be able to last in events and not withdraw.
0: You said that coaches are important and necessary. There are some exceptions who don't have a coach. It is the norm to have a coach. And when you don't have a coach, all the questions are about why do you not have a coach? Could you see her... Does she need a coach? You talk about learning for your opponents, her IQ, her father's involved. She's got voices coming in. Is there a situation now at her age, Was she 20 now, that she, she doesn't have a coach? Or do you feel she needs that constant presence with her on tour? It's a really good question. And it's difficult to
1: know. Of course, I'm not super close uh, to the family at the moment, but I, you know, You've just got to look at when she won the US Open. Yes, she had a coach in Andrew Richardson who did a fantastic job and you cannot underestimate how difficult it would be to try and manage the player in that sort of situation. However, he had only been working with her for a few weeks. He was basically... Employed to just do the US Open stint and just sort of, can you come with me and be a companion and help me out with scouting and, you know, make sure my rackets are strong and book some practice courts (laughs) and do all the stuff that coaches do outside outside of things. (laughs) And she went and won the US Open. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I'm not saying she did it on her own. Andrew Richardson played a very, very important part. Um, The part of a facilitator, which is really difficult to do. Do not get me wrong, a highly skilled position. Um... But she didn't have a coach in terms of I I, I don't think that that you can sort of it's just it's a difficult situation, isn't it? She didn't do it on her own, as I was saying, but she didn't do it with a team that she'd been working with for years who had all been building to this position. So and I think also just with the way that we see her cycle through coaches, um, I think that just suits her better. I think she just knows what she's doing. She's in charge of her team. And it's always a funny thing, I think, particularly on the WTA tour, but also on the men's as well is who is driving the team because we often see that it's coaches driving the team and really the r- the real success comes when it's the player driving the team <laughs> that that's it and and the coach has their role and they are in charge of certain elements but really it's the player saying to the coach right i need to know about this what about this what does if it's about scouting of your next opponent what do they do here when they're 1530 where do they serve what do they, you know as in that's got to come from the the player we we do see a lot and it does tend to be a bit more common on the women's tour, and I don't like it, is especially when we had coaching, on-court coaching back in the day where girls would sit there or women would sit there at the change of ends, and they would not say anything and just be spoken at. And it's just not the way to get the best out of yourself. You know, you need to be driving it. There are always going to be times in your career where motivation drops down. But ultimately, she's clearly the driving force. She's the one sorting it out. She's going to make tons of mistakes. So does Everyone absolutely everyone so would a coach if they were in charge you know so yeah I, I don't know it's a difficult one to answer whether she should have a coach or not
0: well we'll, we'll see how that one plays out but Dmitry Tersanoff, we believe he's taken up working with a player who's I think near to where he's based in California and so they have parted ways and we shall wait and see someone she couldn't have even if she wanted to is Patrick Moratoglu because that man oh. does not stop, does he? I mean he he can't be without a player for more than about a week and then he gets itchy feet and then, then he gets another player.
1: Yeah, because he he has this setup because he has his academy and loads of pro players train there or have come through there, you know, sit to pass obviously Holger Runa, who he's now training with, um and anybody that he that starts working with then sort of becomes part of the, the Moritoglu Academy he has loads of players that he is always touching base with. You know, he has, we we see him in the passes box often. He, you know, ever since he was young, he's always sort of been involved, trying to help him, even though he was coaching Serena and that was his full-time job. So he, it's not like he's just sort of plucked Holger Runa out of thin air. Runa trains at Moratoglu Academy and has done for a long time. And, um, and Patrick knows him very well and I'm sure has been on court with him plenty
0: of times. So yeah, if you have your player out for a long amount of time, I, I can... I'm not, I I'm not being cynical here. Like, I mean, we know he said it's because, um, we know Simona Halep um, is taking a little bit of time, that a lot has gone on for Halep this year, on court, off court, and underwent a little bit of surgery. So she's taking time to recover before she comes back. But the cynical part of me says that Patrick toglu, he has his academy, which is very popular and busy, still needs to be promoted. That He needs to be in the shop window. Is that too cynical? He needs to be around or, around <laughs> or with a players. So he could have easily, Simona Halep's taking time to recover, he could have said, right, I'll just focus on the academy. But you feel, do you know what I mean? He doesn't like to be away from the spotlight for too long. Doesn't want people to possibly forget about him. Um, I think there might be an element of that. I think it's a little bit,
1: Cynical I think that <laughs> you know it is an incredibly difficult lifestyle being a tour coach uh really, really tough it is you know the tour is brutal it ne- it never ends it 's week in week out, and Patrick has always done it pretty fully he 's always been fully committed, and I think a lot of it is just coaches don 't like not being on tour I think they they like being out on the circuit that 's what they do it 's what they know. And um, as I say, just even the lifestyle of just traveling around and being a bit of a nomad is, um, yeah, I think it takes a specific sort of person. And the people who love it, they love it.
0: Now we've got a couple of finals coming up. There's the ATP finals before that, the WTA finals. I was just looking at the San Diego draw of the WTA event and I was looking at the matches yesterday and, boy, you had Chfiontech winning match number 61 of the year. 61 against Zheng, three sets. You had Coco Goff coming through against Bianca Andreescu. Three sets, two hours, 31 minutes. Madison Keyes coming through against Derek Kasakina. Sabalenka coming through against Stevens in three sets, and then it was fairly straightforward for Paula Badosa. and a that is a stack drawn, a stack torn, but B some of those matchups. of all these players can stay healthy, these are exciting times in WTA.
1: It is uh, yeah, very exciting. I mean, there's uh, there's the fight on, isn't there? The scrap for the last few places for the WTA tour and. Tour finals, and they're going to be held in Dallas, and this is San Diego. So everybody's turning up really to feel good. You're playing on the same continent and uh, pick up as many points as as possible. It's um, yes, yeah, just some really great tennis going on. Lovely, I think um, it? everywhere. But yeah, the women's game incredibly healthy. It'll be interesting to see who snatches those last few places. Um, could they do a Caroline Garcia? Over oh. uh, years gone by,
0: <laughs> flying. As,
1: in. Who? Who? Could, I don't know who the last. Well, I've got it. So, who
0: we've, so as we speak, this is Friday the fourteenth. We've got confirmed Schiantech Jabir, who just missed out Jabir last year, and Jessica Pagula, in. they are three in. Now yeah. the 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 runners and riders behind. As again, this is as as we speak, in the morning of the Friday. Goff, Garcia, Kasatkina, Sabalenka, Kudematova, Sakharin. Sakharin. Sakharin is, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's the pressure. I don't know if it's tiredness, but she's she really dropped off. Benchic and Keys. They are the players in the running to make the finals. Okay, so it stops at Keys? I think so. Around that. Oh, I mean, we you could, yeah, okay. I, I think pretty much if you look at who can get there and who can get what, I mean, that's pretty stacked, so they're trying to grab as many places in tournaments, as many points as they can to try and get in there, because as we've talked about, there's a big purse for the winner, there's a lot of prestige and to be in the Tour Finals, I mean, this is, I think it's, but Zachary, it Sakari's really, I don't know, you get it, don't you, Shapovalov had this in his early few seasons, when he just got tired, he got to the stage of the season, and the results just weren't there, and Sakari's and just, has dropped off, it, it feels like maybe she just does need a little bit of a break because it has been a long season, right?
1: Yeah, I know. And you can, and you really do feel that. And the opportunity for players ranked a little bit lower, like we saw with Caroline Garcia coming through and winning that she won Beijing and Wuhan back to back, didn't she? Which were huge tournaments and secured her place in uh, the finals. And then did she make the semis or something? I can't remember. No, that was um, Kuznetsova who did that. I can't remember. Anyway, it it was... uh, yeah, it's it's always nice to have uh, it come down to the wire, um, and to have these big tournaments because it's a Guadalajara next, which is a Masters, well, a Masters equivalent. It's a WTA 1000, yeah. so absolutely huge points in Guadalajara, and um, yeah, I think uh, you, we we could see somebody just streak on through. I don't know who it's going to be. As I say, I don't, I'm not sure about Saku well, the... because she's just clinging on, isn't she? Really.
0: Well, the order. So we've got the three. So four downwards Goff, Sabalenka, Garcia Kasatkina, Halep we know season over Then it's Kudomitova Sakri Badosa Bencic Keys And Collins So I think I mean possibly Collins I mean she's 14th in this But with an outside chance So possibly I mean, she'd have to go On one hell of a run But it probably stops down at Collins But she could just win everything She could She could just win it She could win
1: San Diego And win Guadalajara
0: I mean, oh, by wow. the time
1: people okay. are listening to this, she's probably lost in her quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, but... let's have faith for now. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to pick. It's just it's up for grabs, isn't it? I think. Uh, I mean, you've got a back. Yeah, as I say, Goff Sabalenka, they look like shoo-ins, really, don't they? And and I think Garcia might have done enough, but the last couple of spots,
0: I think they will will change. Um, I'd love to see Kasekina because Casaquina had a few years in the wilderness and it's great seeing her back playing like she's been playing. I'd love to see her qualify for the finals.
1: Yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, it would be very cool. I'd also like to see, oh, we've already got a couple of Americans in with Pagula and I mean, almost certainly Coco Gauff. Um But it would be nice to to see one of the Americans just do work, go on a run sort of in San Diego um, take the title there. But yeah, I don't know. But Shontek's still playing. I mean, she won't leave him alone. That's the thing, okay, is they need yeah. all these points. And they're like, look, eager, why don't you just rest until, until the tour
0: finals? We'll sort out who else is going to be there and we'll see you in Dallas. I'm back in that place when I can't see past her winning it. I know it's stacked. and We've talked about the competition and how wonderful everyone is and it's great. But I'm back to the cannot see past Shontek for for winning the thing well I
1: I mean I I commentated on Estrava where she was she lost in the final to Kraychikova in one of the best finals I think we've had all year possibly the best I don't know it was absolutely incredible I loved it so much and I mean it had everything because we were right at the Polish border in Ostrava so there was probably more Polish fans in than Czech fans even though Ostrava is in the Czech Republic and uh, you had a Czech against a Pole in the final it was Fiontek it was Krejcikova playing so so well as well so it was um, oh yeah it was so much fun you had sort of the right court speed to really make for great tennis as well it just we, we had it all and I just had an absolute blast that tournament I just didn't do a bad match at all everything was amazing um but Siontek, yeah, it was, it was a fascinating final, actually, to see. I don't think she played that well. Um, and I think that everybody else can only beat her if she's not at her best. She has to be sort of at like a 7 out of 10 um, mi- like minimum for anybody to really have a chance. And she wasn't quite at her best. She was fighting. Oh, my word, was she making it incredibly difficult for Kraychikovic to get over the line and... It was one of those things where it almost was more of a statement than winning because yeah. it was more sort of like, actually, that's what it takes to beat her. And it was a horrendously hard effort. I mean, Craig did phenomenally well uh, to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just, yeah, just physically, just mentally, she was so good. And at the end, it was really interesting. She was crying. She was very emotional and, um, and I was thinking, and I know it's it's awful, but it's just because we're putting her in that category now of the very, very top. I don't think you would have ever seen Serena crying over a small event like a Strava. But I think what it was is that it meant so much to her because all of the polls were there supporting her. You, you pretty much could have just split the stadium half and half. It was, that, <laughs> it was like a Fed Cup match or Billie Jean King Cup match. It was so, so cool. Um, but yes, yeah, she wasn't playing brilliantly well. But it still requires a huge effort for people to beat her. And it has to be a very, very good match um, from her opponents. But yeah, she's not the same player that we saw when she was absolutely dominating. But yeah, I mean, look, she, she she lost in a final. So we're like, oh, she's done. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> she's not. And I agree with you. I can't really see past her. Um, but as I say, she's not at her devastating best. You know, All of her matches in Ostrava were quite tight. I think that... The most comfortable set she won, I believe, was six four um so it was uh yeah, like she was pushed, you know gone are the days of the two and one's eager's bakery we're not seeing much of eager's bakery
0: anymore, and it means that players are getting
1: involved more. It's still very, very difficult to win though.
0: And one player who's confirmed and, and I, ju- I just love her story and I know we've talked about her before, so you won't dwell on it, is Jessica Pagula. I I love her story. You know, it happened a, a little bit happened a little bit later. She has worked so hard. I, I've asked her in person where the consistency comes from and she doesn't know, but she's such a good talker, you know. She can talk one of those players that can talk about anything. She's got other interests outside. She got married recently. I I, I think I think she's fabulous. She goes about her business. And she's always there. She might not always be getting the headlines, but she is always, as of the last year or so, in the mix. I mean, she's been outstanding on big stages at big moments. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. I just keep saying I'm really glad they're all there, but I'm, I'm really glad that she's... <laughs> yeah, I
1: think for Pagula, she's, um, yeah, I don't know. She's just an interesting character, isn't she? she she's, it's just not flashy. Nothing about her is flashy at all. The game style is not flashy. I mean, the personality is brilliant. I mean, she's incredibly engaging, but it's not particularly flashy. She doesn't necessarily get flashy big wins. But as you say, just has been so consistent through the season um, oh. to be the third player to qualify. And you think, you know, there's only three players that have qualified. And Shantek, obviously, just total domination. On Jabour two slam finals. So for Jesse Pagula to be in there and be the only one confirmed
0: at this stage with two weeks to go is amazing. So we've still got those places to be decided. As I say, by the time people listen to this, things might have been decided. But let's have a word on the men. So in so far, Alcaraz, Nadal. Congratulations to the Nadals, baby boy. Congratulations. Congratulations. Rude. Sit to pass. Djokovic and the... Is Djokovic going to Australia or not? Thing is starting to surface. The Australian Open have said, look, we can't get involved. There's a new government. We shall wait and see what happens there. We, we don't believe anything will change in terms of a, a vaccination status for the player. So that is something I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more as it approaches. But in terms of Chirin, so that the chasing pack, Medvedev, Rublev, Fritz, Felix Ogielia, seem. And Hubert Hercatch, and Fritz. I mean, you know, if we stick with Americans for a little bit, what about Fritz and the year Fritz is having? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal.
1: I mean, there's a big group of Americans, isn't there? But Fritz has just been so yeah. solid. He's broken into the top 10. Can you believe it? Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's really it? good that he's, he's backed it up. And, that top ten is a crowded place. It's not easy uh, to get in there. It's slightly easier when somebody like Djokovic vacates, but uh, <laughs> for, for various reasons. But he has uh, he snuck in there, and uh, you know it was so well deserved. I mean, I d- yeah, I don't know. It's just this is such a feel good podcast. I think it's because it's the end of the season,
0: and we just want everyone I just to be keep happy. Saying,
1: I'm happy for everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm
0: just oh, I'm really happy for everyone. It looks. I'm just looking at, at how things are at the moment. So in fifth place. Four confirmed Medvedev, then Rublev, then Fritz, then Ogelliacin, then Herkac. Djokovic, we know, is confirmed. Zverev, no, and then Norrie. So I don't know, maybe Norrie could, I don't know, maybe probably just, maybe as alternate, maybe just missed out. Maybe that's just a little bit, it just seems the competition's a little bit too strong ahead of him. But what's happening with Medvedev at the moment? It's, uh, I can't sort of figure out. I don't think anyone could figure out what happened in that match against Djokovic. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah, in the final. Um, Just Said that's it. Djokovic
1: had no idea either. He (laughs) he didn't know what was going on. He just won the second set, was roaring away as he does. And what I found fascinating, actually, moving away from Medvedev, because I can't explain it to you. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Do you know what he was doing?
0: I, it's well, No, uh, he obviously felt he couldn't go on but there, there is that thing with Medvedev in the past when things haven't been going his way they can fall away pretty quickly and we've been through such a spell of everything turning to gold and looking fabulous and this year's just been a little bit up and down there's some injuries at the start it seems there's been a little bit of fitness worries in there as well so no, in terms of as things but he, he does have that mentality of old when things weren't going right there can be a quick out but uh Look, still very much up there but it, it's a bit no it's a bit of a head scratcher so
1: I have no answers yeah for so uh, I, I, don't, I don't know we just have to wait and see to see what he does next um, yeah I can't remember what I was going to say oh yes Djokovic in that match yes the reaction from Djokovic was so fascinating he did not like you know a lot of the time when opponents quit you you get the oh no you know obviously there's a little bit of concern and then it's just like ah I got through yeah um, <laughs> We got we got um I think it was this week it was Manuel Guinard, um or France in Guijon. He came through against Fabio Fanini who why on earth he's not playing the two fifty in Florence. I don't know what's gone on there, but he decided to come to Gijon. Anyway, and uh, Guinard came through after Fanini retired and he just acted like just this big smile celebration, just like it was so cool. Uh yeah, it was it was well uh I think it, <laughs> It was quite funny, but Djokovic, he did not want Medvedev to retire. He knows that if he wants to win slams to to get to where he's got to, you've got to go full on with these players. You've got to come through those tough three setters. He just won the second set, looking good to win it in three. And he was like, oh, come on, man, like you're not going to play. Um, I thought it was a really fascinating insight into the mind of a champion. And I
0: think and I think he wants the matches, he wants the time... On court, so that was the semi-finals, beat pass in the final, Djokovic two titles in a row. And I know, rank. we know the rankings are, as they are, a mixture of Wimbledon and no points and Djokovic not being able to play certain tournaments. But but for me, he is, he is still the player to beat Djokovic. He's the one. Well, he's number one in the world, isn't he?
1: Whilst not being ranked number one in the world. Basically, I Think
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And look, he's going to be at the tour finals in Turin. I think that's going to be fascinating. They're all going to be there together. Nadal, I, I always wonder if he's going to turn up. He he doesn't need to go to Turin. He's not that interested in in that. So I, and I know he's just become a dad. He's on paternity leave. Um but I, I don't know. Nadal, he doesn't need do we, he doesn't need it, does he? Turin. There's no there's nothing I don't think for Nadal to gain for going to the tour finals. Would That be fair. Well, there is. He's never won it, yeah, but I,
1: so I think there is but I, there is plenty for him think, to gain because he would tick that box. That would be nice. Do you think
0: he's going to keep playing forever just so he wins the tour finals? He doesn't feel like that kind of fella,
1: does he? No, I I don't think he's that bothered by it. But I'm just saying that that would be nice if he could go and win it comfortably. It would be would be fine. But it's tough at the end of the season. We know it's tough. We're seeing a lot of players looking pretty weary. And uh, yeah, as you're saying, it's you know, he's just become a a dad. I, I don't know I don't know how that how that changes it's, I think it's different for everyone how it changes your perspective and your motivations and that sort of thing so
0: um, yeah we'll just have to wait and see hey, look if it's a baby that doesn't sleep maybe he will be in Turin because he'll be like oh yeah exactly <laughs> I, I actually have to go and play this tournament <laughs> what the one you said you weren't going to do no I just think I'll go and play this tournament <laughs> he starts appearing yeah. at every 250 on the calendar <laughs> just, just need a little bit of extra tennis do you really do you so congratulations to look I think we're all feeling a little bit weary. Um, I sound a little bit weary. You've got a lot going on at the moment. I've got Halloween approaching. No, it's not my favourite time of year. You know, it's not. I'm actually away working the week before, but I, I come back joyously on Halloween. Oh, I was hoping I could avoid it, but un- unfortunately not. And I've actually, for our Christmas special, if we're doing such a thing, I keep calling it a Christmas special, um, I found, I think, the hardest flag in the world to identify now the fact that I'd never seen this flag before means nothing because out a nation's flag yeah outside of outside of the flags that we all should know which I do know I think um this is one that I've never laid eyes on before I did google what is the hardest flag to identify in the world and um okay so don't google that because you find the same flag okay, right. so I found it so when uh, yeah it's. Uh, I know today I've got a rush dealing with children with bugs. I'm going to go and get them checked out and see how they are. And you've still got movie set, film set stuff to do and, and tennis to cover. Um, but yes, the, I have a flag in mind that is probably, that is said to be the most difficult flag in the world to identify. That is very exciting. Yeah. I cannot wait. So don't Google it, promise? Okay, I
1: promise. And look at—no, I'm excited for the challenge. I'm be Djokovic about this. Come on, bring it on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I failed in the quiz last week when you asked me a question I didn't know the answer. So, <laughs> yeah. so now it's your turn. So that that is something to look forward to. But we've got yeah, look, tennis continues, and so much going on. And in the meantime, I've got to go and sort one of the twins out to see if we can get him back to full health. <laughs> Sounds good. Good luck. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye.